0: The Climate Action Reserve is the most experienced and trusted offset registry to serve the carbon markets. As more organizations look to combat climate change and support environmental projects with true integrity, they turn to the reserve to foster real solutions and reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. Through Carbon Connection, the Reserve's in-house experts will explore our high-quality standards for carbon offset projects and discuss climate change practices that benefit economies, ecosystems, and society. Thank you for joining. Hi, my name is Lauren Wilson, and welcome to our next episode of Carbon Connection, hosted by Climate Action Reserve. Today we are speaking with our in-house expert Holly Davison on our ozone depleting substances protocol. Holly serves as the reserves associate director of programs and has been deeply involved with supporting program implementation and project management activities of ODS projects. Holly, thank you for joining us. Thanks Lauren. Now Holly, this is a really interesting protocol and topic that we're discussing today. So. My first question for you is, why is the management of ozone-depleting substances critical to addressing
1: climate change? So first, I think it might be helpful to define ozone-depleting substances. When we're talking about ozone-depleting substances, or ODS, as I'm going to be referring to it, we're talking about materials that deplete the ozone layer, like chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, and halons. These are also materials controlled under the Montreal Protocol and its amendments. These are in things we use every day, like refrigerators, air conditioning units, and in foam insulation in buildings. So one of the reasons why the management of ODS is critical to addressing climate change is that the global warming potential of these materials is enormous. All eligible ODS under the compliance protocol, which is what we'll be talking about today, whether it's refrigerant sources or foam sources, have GWPs into the thousands and even 10,000s. For example, CFC-13 has a GWP of 14,400. Just for some comparison's sake, methane's GWP is 28. So whenever these refrigerants are destroyed, it has a huge positive impact on the environment.
0: Thanks, Holly. That's so interesting. And there's clearly a huge potential for climate mitigation for ODS. I mean, you mentioned something key too, which is that these substances are in our lives every day between things like refrigerators and air conditioners, which for me personally, it's been a very hot summer and I've been running my AC. So ODS is certainly relevant in my day to day. And and thinking of ODS and how we tackle it, I was wondering if you can share in a nutshell what the Ozone Depleting Substances Protocol is through Climate Action Reserve.
1: So, all of our current US ODS projects are reporting under the Air Resources Board ODS Protocol, which is one of their six eligible protocol types under their Compliance Offsets Program under their Cap and Trade Program. In one sentence, the protocol credits for the destruction of the harmful ODS sourced from within the US that would have otherwise been vented into the atmosphere over time. The protocol also assumes that older refrigerant that's destroyed is replaced with refrigerants with lower GWP. The refrigerants eligible for crediting under the protocol have all been phased out of production under the Montreal Protocol. So these eligible refrigerants are collected from places like grocery stores, hospitals and apartment buildings. And then transported to eligible destruction facilities where the ODS is destroyed at an extremely high efficiency rate
0: got it so again yeah seeing that these eligible refrigerants are collected from everyday places that people are going to and then being transported to facilities so that they can be destroyed therefore impacting air quality and and just life around us so Touching on that a little bit
1: more, why why is this protocol impactful to communities? This protocol allows for less waste to be sent to a landfill that needs to be managed as hazardous waste. Unfortunately, a lot of people still dump old fridges and AC units in landfills. This also helps the global community by reducing the ozone layer damage, since these ODS are the ones that have the largest impact on the ozone layer. Thanks Holly I really like
0: how you outlined that because you can see that on a local level there can be improvements made to the environment by dealing with ODS which means less waste at your local landfill facility for example but additionally removing ODS on a global level we can support improvements to the ozone layer so it seems like a win-win and I'm curious to understand a little bit more about how was this protocol developed
1: so the reserve first developed the ODS protocol and submitted it to ARB, so Air Resources Board, to be adopted into their compliance program. ARB adapted it as of November 14th, 2014, and it's been one of the most commonly used protocols since. Got it, that's, that's
0: really helpful and I think unique of this protocol, that we're discussing today. A lot of our other protocols we've been discussing through the other episodes of Carbon Connection have been focused across the voluntary and compliance markets. But with this one specifically, really understanding how Climate Action Reserve works with the state of California, works with ARB, getting this under the California program. So that's, that's really exciting. And briefly, Holly, what are some of the key eligibility criteria to be able to submit a project through the ozone
1: depleting substances protocol? Like other compliance protocols, there are requirements around location, project start date, project reporting period, crediting period, additionality, and regulatory compliance. To be eligible for credits, the ODS must be both sourced from and destroyed in the U.S. or its territories. The project commencement date or the project start date is the date when the destruction of the ODS starts. So, if a project has multiple destruction events, which I'll talk about in a bit, it's that first day of the first destruction event. And like all compliance projects, the start date must be after January 1st, 2007. One of the more unique characteristics of ODS projects is the reporting period. While we're used to seeing other project types, both in the voluntary and compliance markets, have 12-month reporting periods on average, we commonly see reporting periods for ODS projects ranging from a few days to a few months. An AFSEC project operator, what we can think about as a project developer in the compliance market, can include as many destruction events into one reporting period, as long as the reporting period is less than 12 months. But normally, we see standalone destruction events lasting a few days or a few destruction events combined over the course of a few weeks or a few months. The crediting period is 10 years. So even though the destruction happens just once and each project has just one reporting period, those emission reductions are calculated over what would have been emitted over a 10-year period. And like all projects, projects must be additional. Additionality has two tests the performance standard test and the legal requirement test. The performance standard test for ODS projects ensures what's occurring in the project is above business as usual and includes a requirement that ODS sources from the US government are ineligible for crediting. The legal requirement test ensures that there's no crediting if the destruction of ODS is legally required. So we wouldn't be able to credit for projects that are doing what standard practice or what's already legally required for them to do. Projects must also be in material compliance with all applicable laws. And for ODS projects, this applies to all steps in the process, including collecting, storing, transporting, mixing, and destroying ODS. Another important component of eligibility for ODS projects that makes it really unique is that only a certain number of refrigerants are eligible for destruction, as well as those foam sources I mentioned. ODS projects have a lot of requirements around documentation as well. We care a lot about the tracking of the movement or the chain of custody of the ODS and the destruction of the material. So whenever there's ODS destroyed, there needs to be clear tracking on what the material is, where it came from, how it got from point A to point Z, and a certificate of destruction that lists the asset project operator so again that's the project developer language under the compliance protocol the destruction facility the weight and type of re- refrigerant destroyed and the dates that d- that destruction happened thank you holly that's really helpful you've been
0: Super concise on how organizations and people can sign up to projects and and really understand from A to Z how people can participate in this program and know everything that needs to be set up before being able to sign up to a project. So that's all really, really helpful and. As part of all Climate Action Reserve programming, an important attribute is permanence. So with ODS projects, how do we ensure permanence of greenhouse gas reductions?
1: Fortunately, once the refrigerants are destroyed, they are destroyed. And the technology used to destroy the refrigerants is extremely high, as high as 99.99% efficient. Additionally, the way the credits are quantified also speak to the permanence of the project activity. We assume the substitute refrigerants that replace the refrigerants that are destroyed will leak at a certain rate over the 10-year crediting period, and this is quantified in the project emissions. That provides another level of conservativeness. Got it. So yeah, there's that that twofold
0: that refrigerants are destroyed, they're destroyed, which is highly efficient using the technologies to destroy the refrigerants and then also including um, conservativeness to assure that when leaking happens we're making sure that credits aren't being distributed for that leakage so that's that's really really helpful and for ODS projects what is the typical timeline that organizations could anticipate
1: that depends on a lot of factors. The protocol involves the collection of ODS around the country, aggregating of that ODS, the destruction of that ODS itself. So depending on where it's sourced, the offset project operator could spend months gathering the ODS to be destroyed. Once the ODS is at the destruction facility, it depends on the facility and the system there. Most of the destruction facilities OPOs work with are well-established and are very familiar with the procedures and requirements. Additionally, destruction events happen over the course of a few days. Some offset project operators prefer to include multiple destruction events in one reporting period, as I mentioned, as long as that reporting period doesn't exceed one year. These experienced project developers can accomplish these processes very efficiently, and once the material is destroyed, the verification process is relatively quick as well. Once the project is listed, we typically see credits issued within three to six months. That's really exciting and I think unique of
0: this protocol specifically is that organizations are able to come to Climate Action Reserve and see that they have specific ODS projects and actually acquire credits within three to six months is is pretty pretty exciting. So on that note, who will use this protocol to develop carbon offset projects and also who are interested in purchasing the credits?
1: In terms of who is going to use this protocol, because of the numerous activities that need to take place to smoothly run a project and destroy the ODS, we see the projects from experienced offset project operators from the industry. In terms of who will purchase the credits, because this is a compliance protocol, many of the interested buyers of the credits are entity filling their compliance obligations because these offset credits are compliance instruments and can be used to do that. I will also note that these projects produce higher volumes of credits compared to other project types. It could be upwards of hundreds of thousands per year, depending on how many projects the OPO undertakes. That's awesome. That really
0: seems like a win win in that credits can be issued fairly quickly within three to six months in some cases, but also that with o- with ODS projects, there could be upwards of hundreds of thousands per year. So that's that's really exciting. and. Holly, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through this protocol today and I really lastly want to end with what's one question you wish I would have asked you and how would you have answered regarding ODS?
1: One of the really interesting parts of these projects is the destruction facility itself. I've had the opportunity to tour one during an audit and it's a really impressive system Plus, the sheer scale of the facilities, the technology used, even down to the scale that's used to lead the ODS before and after destruction is impressive. The facility has to maintain a lot of permits and employ accredited technicians with particular EPA certificates to handle the ODS. So these facilities are a hugely important piece of a successful ODS project. That's
0: really, really cool Holly that you were able to actually tour one of these facilities as part of Climate Action Reserve and your role within the organization and you get to see how efficient of a process it is within these facilities as well. So that's that's really great and I appreciate you sharing that with us and. Generally Holly, thank you so much for your time today. And for everyone online, please check out our compliance protocol through the state of California to really sign up to all ODS projects. And Holly, thanks so much again. Thank you, Lauren.